When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 25th, the Rethinking Traditions edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight and a half and some change, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Rosen, host of The Best Advice Show, a very short podcast featuring your best advice. And my kids are Noah, who's four, and Ami, who's one. And we live in Detroit. Hi, I'm Amber Smith. I am the Senior Manager of Audience Development for Slate Podcast. And I am the mama to Marley, who is 16 months old, and we live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Amber, thank you so much for joining us. So happy to have you back. So happy to be here. So on today's show, we're going to be talking first about how Thanksgiving is taught at school. Our letter writer is uncomfortable with the whitewashing in her kids' school's current curriculum, and she wants to know how she can change that. Then, Zach is sitting down with best-selling author and creator of Dinner, A Love Story, to talk about food traditions, picky eaters, and getting your kids involved in the kitchen. In Slate Plus, we're staying in the kitchen. If you're listening on Thursday morning, you'll probably be in the kitchen too. So we decided to share some of our best food disasters and holiday hot takes. But first, as always, we're gonna kick off the show with some triumphs and fails. Zach, do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? Yes. Uh, So if you were listening last week, you might recall that I, I talked about my family's Thanksgiving prep regimen for COVID, wherein everyone going to my mom's house, there are 18 of us, we pledged to all get tested the week prior, which is this week, COVID tested, and um, not to be indoors with people outside our immediate households without a mask. And we're recording this on Tuesday. I know you're listening on Thursday, listener. And I we just got our COVID test back. They came back negative. So that's out of the way. No one is sick yet. No one seems to have any like colds or flus or tickles. So I think we're on our way to having our first uh, family Thanksgiving in two years because l- last year we just didn't go. So mm, I don't want to call it a triumph yet because we're not, I'm not eating cornbread yet, but we're close. We're close. Cornbread is on the horizon. That is oh, awesome. Dreaming of cornbread. Are we are we not all dreaming of cornbread? I just love constantly? it so much. I ate it for dinner the last two nights in a row. Amazing. Yes, yeah, I get a little uh, Thanksgiving pregame there, mm-hmm. Jamila. <laughs> so I'm actually not doing Thanksgiving this year, but we'll talk uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the cornbread might have been all the Thanksgiving I'm going to get. Okay. But what about you, Amber? Let's hear your triumph or fail. Hopefully triumph. Uh, No. It's okay. I don't know. I don't even know if it's quite a fail, but it felt like a fail. Um, Yeah. Marley 
we, we had gone 15 months, no sickness, no colds, no nothing. And then he got his first like bad cold, which turned into an ear infection, mm. started the antibiotics, didn't work. Ear infection went to both ears, then pneumonia. Oh. <laughs> Or like a 16 month old and like Oi. when, when so sorry. <laughs> yeah yeah I went, yeah it's been a crazy three weeks of like sickness um and so yeah when the doctor said pneumonia i was just like heart like my heart sank because i'm like what do you mean like you hear pneumonia you think hospital right mm-hmm. um but i think like the the word was bigger than the than the actual like diagnosis because his breathing was good all that we just had to do some stronger antibiotics um and come back uh, a week later and now we have a clean bill of health but um yeah it's still kind of hard to not feel like mom guilt you know that you couldn't fix it or like that you didn't do feel like you didn't do the right things when really you know kids get sick tis the season babies are super resilient which is amazing but um but yeah so uh failing that it happened triumphing that he's better Mm -hmm. um yeah and that i'm finally sleeping again through the night well, no, not through the night, but more than I was. Well, it's definitely not a fail for him getting sick. That's just a thing that happens, you know, yeah. like you can't you can't take ownership of that. You know, it's not like, oh, we were at the water park with no mittens on hanging out. And then which is probably not how you get pneumonia anyway. But that's what <laughs> we've been led to believe by the grandparent industrial complex. So like. <laughs> We can pretend it at that, but I'm sure your child was not playing in water without mittens. There's nothing that you did that led to pneumonia. No water without mittens. No water without mittens. He always had a hat on when he went outside. Yes, mom. So like, I, yeah, I, it just, yeah, it just was a nasty cold. And how long did it, it was three weeks? Yeah, it was three, because oh. it like escalated, right? So at first it was like, oh, you just got a little cold. Oh, now we have a fever and we're pulling on the ear. Okay, let's go to the doctor. Okay, ear infection. Okay, 10 days of amoxicillin. All right, cool. Mm, fever shot up again, still mm. pulling on the ear, still not sleeping. Thank God for the nose, Frida. Oh, the congestion's really bad. Let's go back. Oh, ear infection in both ears now. Um, she's like doing a little stethoscope on his chest for like a very long time. And I'm like, you good? We good? You good? And she's like, um, I hear crackling. This is a, Mm. this is pneumonia. I like my heart just sank. And it's also so hard to see them so little and so like just so uncomfortable. Like he couldn't sleep well because he was so congested and the nose Frida was a whole traumatic thing for both of us. And he's at the point where he can say no now. So Uh he's like, no, no. And Mm. so it's just like a heart. It's just heartbreaking. Um, so it was rough. It was really, really rough. Um, yeah, yeah. What were yeah. what were some of the things that brought him comfort during that time that that you know helped him feel better? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I invested in a really good humidifier. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, like I said, thank God a million mm-hmm. times for the nose Frida because it, it did allow him to sleep. And night. what is it? What is the nose Frida? Because I think that's something that came along after my little one. It's so gross, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's like this nose sucker thing. Oh, you put like oh, one yeah. part into their nose and then you suck on the other end and it pulls the snot out. <laughs> it sounds so gross. And like there's like a little spongy thing there. So it's not like you can suck snot into the straw and like accidentally. Like, but um, it's incredible. But now um, what I'm hearing on the mommy block is that there is an electronic nose Frida. That's also incredible. You oh just press a button and it sucks the snot out. So 
that's a thing too. But be, on, <laughs> be honest here, Amber, because this Frida is a, it's called a snot sucker. Uh-huh. It's satisfying, isn't it? Isn't it satisfying oh to get all those boogers out? That's it's, what I was afraid of, which is why I'm like, oh, I'm obsessed with it now because it sounds satisfying. Oh. It's satisfying. And then it's like, oh, yeah, all that was in there. Now you can breathe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's making them feel better. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It is. It is. Good. It's disgusting. Good. And yeah, I guess parenting is gross. Parenting but, is so um, gross. Yeah. 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 We're very glad that your little one is feeling better. And that is a triumph. Yeah. You know, you. You, you nursed him back to health. That's important. Yeah. You give yourself yeah. credit for that. That's Thank a triumph you. for sure. Thank you. So my, um, this week, I am again uh, taking credit for just raising an amazing child. Like she's done something. And so I'm like, it's not really my triumph so much as it is like the kid I made did something awesome. And so I'm going to claim it. But like my daughter, much like I was at her age, minus all of the access to technology, like at eight, I only had access to a computer. Like if I went to my mom's job and I was very excited to play on like word suite, you know, like I would want to make PowerPoint presentations or office suite or whatever and Mm -hmm. letterheads. This was, I was always trying to start a business and make a letterhead. So like my daughter's also very much into creating things, you know, on devices. But um, one of the things that she's gotten into is making like slideshows. And she made like she makes them about her dog. She's made some for a friend. Like she just makes slideshows. And so she made one for me. And it is literally the sweetest thing that any human being has ever created on earth it like she found pictures of us online it's so funny like she i'm actually glad that she doesn't go in the photos folder on the computer but i'm like you know there's like all the pictures of us are there but there's also my pictures too so i should probably work on that but like she found pictures of us online and like you know and she captions it and it's like my awesome mom and my mom is the best thing that ever happened to me my mom is the reason i am me and she like asked me for a quote she's like do you have a quote and I was like, uh, she's like, you know, like something you've said or written. And I was like, uh, black girls deserve more. I don't know. Like, you know, and so like she put that in the slideshow as a quote for me. And she wrote, black motherhood needs to be respected. So does my mommy. And then like the closing slide is like black motherhood ain't nothing to mess with because she's obsessed with the Wu's hand clan. Like it's just the cutest little thing. Oh. And so I put it on my Instagram page. If you follow me on Instagram, um, five days ago when it happened. So I guess it would be, I don't know. I don't post that much on Instagram. You'll see it. Uh, but yes, it's just, I'm taking all the credit because she's just the sweetest thing. She's so loving. Like, I just cannot believe how expressive she is with her love. It just really blows my mind and keeps me going. That is incredible. That's so cute. That is so sweet. Right and how fulfilling as a mom to read that and hear that from her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, oh she calls you writer and super mom. Yes. <laughs> and she asked her journalist mother for a quote. Yes. Ah. Ah. She's a dumpling. She's amazing. amazing job. Amazing job. Thank you. She's, she's a sweet baby. I'm very grateful for her. So sweet. All right. So shout out to all of our awesome kids and celebrating them, celebrating with them and being celebrated by them.
podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Now let's get into our big listener question. Shasha Leonard is on vacation, so it'll just be me reading it. Dear Mom and Dad, Our kids' preschool just sent out their weekly newsletter outlining their upcoming plans, namely Thanksgiving-related ones. They appear to be focusing on gratitude, which, of course, we value as a family, and they don't appear to be pulling any explicit shenanigans like splitting the kids into pilgrims and Native Americans or anything along those lines. However, my husband and I feel strongly that a lack of discussion about indigenous cultures or the realities of the quote unquote first Thanksgiving does equal whitewashing. And we plan to write to the director to ask if some of these things could be included. We understand the age group, 2.5 to five years, limits what can be realistically covered. But even a short discussion of the land the school sits on and to whom it belongs, and perhaps the reading of a Native American story feels doable. How do we broach this topic with the preschooler? Any specific books you can recommend for preschool age about the real Thanksgiving? Thanks. Thanks to writing and letter writer. Amber, let's start with you. What do you suggest? Wow. Um, I love the enthusiasm. I think that that age group is probably hard and it might be hard to find a ton of resources. Maybe there are some things I don't know about yet, though. Um, something that pre- can preschoolers really <laughs> grasp colonialism and genocide. Um, <laughs> in a real, real way. Um, but I think it's maybe more important what you offer at home, um, versus maybe expectations from school. Although it's, it's great to have a school that's aligned with your values. I come from a home where at Thanksgiving, we always had a moment of silence for the native American lives that were lost. Like I had the type of like parents that were like, I'd come home excited about history and they'd be like, no, mm. this is what happened. Um, and I think that that shaped me probably more and that my values and what I brought to the world more than anything or discussions that I got from school. But not to say that discussions like that at school couldn't help in and kind of elevate that even more. I do think it's good that there are focus on gratefulness versus like, I don't, you know, and I don't know, it's preschool. So they maybe they're still making, you know, hand turkeys. But uh, yeah, I think my, my answer would be to really focus maybe more on what you offer at home. I totally agree. I mean, I think that we should expect 
depending on I don't know depending depending on your expectations of school or public school or wherever you're sending your kids regardless so much of what I learned just like what you said Amber came from home came from media came from friends came from outside of school so yeah I totally support you letter writer writing to the director of the school and saying something but like even if because this is the first of many histories that will likely be whitewashed in your kids um you know educational life so again like amber was saying it is up to us for sure to to do that teaching so even if it's missing at school that's fine um well even if it's not fine you can still have really interesting discussions at home and maybe you know maybe two and a half to five is too early to talk about genocide but it might not be too early to talk about colonialism um, with some broad brushstrokes and it certainly isn't too early to talk about indigenous people and yeah. to learn their stories and um i know you mentioned that you're looking for a couple books uh that might be helpful in doing this i found a couple full disclosure i haven't read them but they do look really interesting um one of them is called we are grateful and it's uh, a book written from the Cherokee perspective and uh, beginning in the, this, I'm just reading off the summary. It says beginning in the fall with the new year and ending in summer, follow a full Cherokee year of celebrations and experiences written by a citizen of the Cherokee nation. This look at one group of native Americans is appended with a glossary and the complete Cherokee syllabary originally created by Sequoia. So this is, you know, before we talk about, um, you know, indigenous people being, slaughtered maybe we talk about you know what they created and what they left um the, the rest of us and so it's a kind of celebration rather than than a morning not to say you can't get to the morning at, at a certain point but this might be a good place to start and there's another book that looks really cool it's called fry bread a native american family story by kevin noble uh maillard and it's a poem and it's uh told in Again, this is me reading the summary. It's told in lively and powerful verse. Uh, it's an evocative depiction of a modern Native American family, vibrantly illustrated um, by these award-winning illustrators, uh, Pura Belpre, award winner, Caldecott Honoree, Juana Martinez, Neil. So again, like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of, of Detroit and didn't know any Native Americans. And that's probably true for a lot of listeners and their kids. So just you know starting to talk about that they still exist and that they have these stories and that there's so much to learn and then maybe you know maybe next year we start talking about the trail of tears depending on you know if your kid is ready and you know you know them a lot better than uh than we do and yeah it, it just back to amber's point which so deeply resonates like it's it's up to us i think as as families to to do the real social education in a lot of ways. Uh, I agree with that, um, that ultimately certain conversations are going to have to take place at home if you want your kids to be grounded in a particular understanding of the world around them and that you're not going to be able to look to school to do that. Um, however, I do think it's totally within reason for you to um approach the school's director with some thoughts on how they can uh, improve this curriculum for next year, you know, and like when you want to challenge um, a school to put something on the curriculum that's not there, like you pretty much need to come up with or rather something 
if you want to introduce a concept that they're not being taught, like be prepared to provide a curriculum of sorts, right? Like it's not that you have to know how this is to be taught to kids that age and that you have to have lesson plans, but like you should have a pretty clear idea of what it is that you think um, the children, you know, need to know, right? And so if it yeah. is starting with, you know, a discussion of whose land, uh, you know, the school stands on and what does it mean that the school stands on someone else's land, right? Or land that's not occupied by the people to whom it belongs. Um, and I think that could be a really great entry point into the story of what happens to indigenous people in this country, you know, um, in an age appropriate way. You should also have some, you know, age appropriate books, uh, that you've pulled together that you'd like to suggest. And, um, I wish that I had more to offer you. I have to say, I found a lot of great books by Indigenous authors about um, the stories of Indigenous people and, and their uh, contributions to the world, which is mm -hmm. ideal. But I did not see books that challenge the story of Thanksgiving as it's taught, as which I kind of hope to find, you know, like I often recommend the, a kid's book about line, you know, and I didn't see anything um, in their catalog because they have these really great, very easy to read comprehensive breakdowns of super complicated things like, you know, gender identity and systemic racism. But um yeah, it seems like a kid's book about Thanksgiving would be a great opportunity, you know, because there needs to be something that, you know, not that this is the only Native history that needs to be taught or even the most pressing one, but this is the one that needs to be correction, you know. Um, I think the biggest thing that you can hope to convey at this point is that you're going to see a lot of stuff on TV and maybe even hear things that's school about Thanksgiving and they're going to tell a story about something, you know, that's not quite accurate. You know, you, you may hear about this dinner and this coming together of Native Americans and pilgrims. And, you know, that's not how things happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that is not, um, a, a true accounting of the relationship between those two groups of people and what that looks like for your little person is up for you to decide. Um, but we shared that information with Naima pretty early. We shot down the idea of Thanksgiving before she could fall in love with it. And she handled it quite well, you know, and, and challenges her friends. It's okay for your kid to be. Wait, how did, yeah. how did you shoot it down? Well, I mean, we essentially like Thanksgiving is not, you know, this day in which uh, the Native Americans and the pilgrims sat together and had this wonderful meal, like the relationship between these two people was not equitable at all. You know, these were uh, land thieves and murderers. And, you know, um, that is the foundation of what America is, land that was stolen you know, from one group of people and built by other groups of people uh, without the agency to be a part of the, the foundation of that building. Um, that's kind of how she's always had to understand America. And then some of it I know is over her head, you know, but I'd rather her be kind of grasping at those broad concepts as opposed to kind of, you know, coming home with turkey feathers on her head and, you know, thinking shit's cool. Yeah, I am Naima. Naima is me. That's, you know, <laughs> that's like what my parents and I'd be challenging my friends and the teacher's like, uh-uh. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. Yeah, same, same. That's how I got it. I never, you know, 
I came home once with a Confederate nickel from a field trip, like a um, like a gift shop at the museum. And like, I guess my teacher wasn't paying attention. And I think that from that point on, there were like, it was all, my parents were always working to make things clear, but like, no illusions at no point. Like I felt devastated. Like my mom was like, do you know what this is? I, I felt like I'd brought home, which I basically had, like I brought home like a clan coin or some shit, you know, like that was how ashamed of myself I was. But um, there's no real room for fairy tales and America spends a, a Thanksgiving fairy tale. I think there's a lot of things we could tell our kids about Thanksgiving, you know, including Black Friday. Right. I think it's really great that Target has decided to close permanently on Thanksgiving, you know, like ending their tradition of having people get up from their family celebration. I don't even really celebrate at all, but like I know that most people do. And like getting up from your family celebration to go clock into work so people can buy TVs that they could have just bought the next day, you know, like. There's a lot of not great stuff about mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, and I think the sooner you share that, the better your kids can kind of appreciate what you all are trying to create with the holidays. So it sounds like you all have reimagined it as a gratitude day or a family day, which is what I think most people who've divested from traditional Thanksgiving have done. Yeah. Um, but make sure you're emphasizing that. And and perhaps that's really where you start, you know, maybe that's where your focus is that, you know, there are some other things that people say about Thanksgiving, but here's what it's about in this house, you know, and as you get older, we can get, you know, we'll talk more about the other stuff. But for now, this is about gratitude and family. I think that's such a profound point you made earlier, Jamila, that like, even if they might not be intellectually ready for it, you say it anyways. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what they're actually taking in. And of course, this is... I never even thought about it like this, but right there, let them grasp rather than decide for yourself when they're ready. That's like, that seems to be such a great um, parenting truth that you just articulated that I hadn't thought of like that. So thank you. Thank you. I hadn't thought about it until I said it aloud, you know, and I guess it's kind of what like I've been doing, you know, with certain things, what we've been doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I know you don't get all of this, but you know, I'd rather this be something that you're considering or thinking about, you know, because there's a lot of stuff they don't, kids are constantly, you know, introduced to concepts they don't understand, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything Mm -hmm. is confusing, you Mm -hmm. know, especially the younger they are. It's like, you you put the food in the box and it came out hot, you know, like this is all madness. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, yeah. it's okay for them to be confused, but still have the right answer in their head, mm-hmm. you know. Thank you, letter writer. Um, and we hope that you, you know, figured out a way to make it work for you this year and that for next year, you'll be able to get the school on board as well. Um, for any other listeners that may have a parenting dilemma that they'd like to share, go on ahead and send us an email at slate.com. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now, Thanksgiving, speaking of, can be incredibly stressful, particularly with children. You cook all that food and surprise, the kids don't want to eat it or they just want to eat just that one thing that they like the most and they don't want to sit at the table and do it. They want to run around. So how do you make Thanksgiving work with kids? Well, for some tips, we are turning to Jenny Rosenstrock. Jenny is the food writer and New York Times bestselling cookbook author of Dinner, A Love Story, The Weekday Vegetarians, and How to Celebrate Everything, among others. She also authors the Dinner, A Love Story blog and newsletter. Zach had a chance to talk to Jenny about prepping for Thanksgiving cooking, involving your kids in the process, and most compellingly, perhaps, avoiding ECS, empty celebration syndrome. It's a different Thanksgiving. It has been for the last couple of years. But what are you most excited about this year? I'm excited about um, having my whole family with me. <laughs> Last year, as you said, was difficult. We had to do sort of a makeshift on the porch with a heat lamp that didn't work. And we, we, you know, we, I'm not complaining. We were all healthy in there, but this year I'm just excited because um, all my nieces and nephews will be home from college. My daughters will be home from college. So I'm, I, I'm actually for the first time ever, the food feels very secondary to me. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, and I feel like, uh, I feel like they can't wait either, which is a nice feeling. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. Can we talk about empty celebration syndrome? (laughs) Wow. You went deep down that rabbit hole. Sure. (laughs) I'd love to. Well, I think, I think it resonates so much. So to start, just tell me what that is and, and how we can beat it. Um, well, I think I, I discovered and I think most people probably came to this realization a long time ago, but the whole meal is gone in, you know, <laughs> if we're lucky and it, it'll last a half an hour, but um, so then what's left really, right? We're, I mean, we're all together, obviously, and we've been cooking together, which is nice, but I do kind of find that if you don't have a moment of connection with your family or like some sort of a toast or um, a ritual, um, however your family does it, then I find that if there's not that moment of connection to me, I, I, I identify that as empty celebration syndrome. So, so when I go into holidays, like Thanksgiving, I try to think of what can we do to connect us, to connect to, you know, maybe, you know, for instance, my father-in-law has just, just passed away a few weeks ago. So what can we do to make sure that he's present? Um, How can we make his grandchildren feel connected to him? Will, you know, I think a lot of families will, go around the table and say things that they're grateful for. And that's, that's always a, you know, that's a classic and that's that, that works. My father-in-law, the one who just died, he, he was the one sort of who taught me this lesson because at every major occasion or celebration, he would, he was this amazing writer and he wrote beautiful poems. And so he would present these poems for birthdays, for anniversaries, for um, Valentine's day. Um, and, you know, that's a little bit, that's a big ask for most people, I know, but, but it was really just a wonderful moment in every um, celebration with, that we could count on mm-hmm. feeling just like really connected and, and, um, and it was just like a, a really beautiful moment. So, so that's what I go into these holidays trying to achieve mostly. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have any ideas for helping any of us out there who maybe don't have our own unique family rituals, but we're really compelled by this idea of not having empty celebration syndrome. 
Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do. I mean, for starters, you can just like look at the food that's on your table um, or recipes that are important to your family and make sure that those are present. There might be recipes that your mother or your grandmother made for Thanksgiving. And that's a perfect excuse to sort of to launch into a conversation about your grandparents and your family history. Thanksgiving is a really good time to sit down and get that information from, from a family member. I never knew any of my grandparents. They all died before I was born. And so it had always been very important to me to talk to my parents about their parents and get the stories because I didn't know them. And I really, until I, inter- I ended up interviewing my father around Thanksgiving a couple years ago. And until I did that, I don't think there were so many things that I didn't know about his father and his mother. And I was so glad I did it. And I recorded the whole thing. StoryCorps has an amazing app that gives you prompts for these kinds of things. Like, you know, just in case you're like, I could never do that. I would never know what questions to ask. And I'm so unbelievably grateful that I have that recording. Um, Now I just have to do my mom. I haven't done my mom yet. So maybe that's this Thanksgiving. Fantastic. This question goes for Thanksgiving, but also just in general. What have you seen work when it comes to getting kids excited about helping out in the kitchen? Um, well, I have seen in my own family, I cook with my sister and my parents and then and my brother and all of the kids. So there's um, how many? There's, uh, there's six grandchildren or my nephews and nieces and my kids um, total. And so early on, we got them used to, we, we kind of assigned each one of them a job, even when they were like too little to actually really be doing the job. But like my niece, Amanda, and my daughter, Abby, are always in charge of the cornbread. And my nephew, Owen, is always in charge of the Brussels sprouts. And over the years, it's very sweet. They've kind of taken these assignments as their own. And even if they're not 100%, you know, preparing it from beginning to end, they know they have like, they know they have an assignment. Like my my niece, um, Allison, makes the most delicious cranberry relish now. And I gave her a recipe when she was younger to work on. And she's kind of since been developing it and it's changed over the years. And, but it's nice, you know, they all kind of have their, their marching orders. And that means they're all in the kitchen, which is, which is just, you know, obviously my favorite part of the whole holiday. And I would suggest to parents who really want their kids to be there to put them in charge of dessert, because maybe that would be a fun, um, a fun place to start. That's a great idea. All right. My last question, Jenny, say one of my kids is super picky and the other one is a very adventurous eater. How do you, or can you even reconcile these two, these two halves? Are we talking Thanksgiving or are we talking? Uh, just, in, just in general. In general, I will say the thing that helped me the most with that problem was um, this concept of deconstructing dinner. Um, anyone who's spent a minute of time on dinner love story knows about this theory, but it basically like there's a, there's a meal I made called salmon salad, which is basically like a roast salmon that's tossed with a bunch of simmered vegetables, like green beans and potatoes and corn if it's summer and tomatoes. It's all tossed together with a bright dressing, like a very basic vinaigrette. And it's just the most requested meal in my house. My daughters are both coming home next week and they've both requested it for their coming home dinner. But when they were young, they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it. They didn't like everything mixed together. Right. And some, one of them didn't like 
uh, salmon. The other didn't like potatoes. You know, it, you know how it goes. And so what we would do, and we, we had already been cooking that long before we had kids, we had been making this dinner. And so what we ended up doing with that and many, many other meals was we would, it's so, it's so silly. It's kind of brilliant. Like we would just um, deconstruct it. And um, before we took it all together, we would make the little piles of here's the potatoes, here's the beans, here's the salmon. And so that way, you know, your picky kid can just pick exactly what he or she wants and your adventurous eater can eat it the way, you know, you're eating it. And then everyone is happy and you're not making a thousand different meals, but you can take this concept and use it with almost anything. You can do it with soups. You know, you can like, we have a tortilla soup where you can just basically like deconstruct it into like a pile of chicken, a pile of avocado, a pile of tortilla chips for someone who's like a little pickier, maybe with like a dip of, of the chicken, you know, so that they can uh, pretend that there's some kind of soup element on the plate. But, um, but then eventually like the more, if the, if the picky kid is eating soup that way and he, and, and they're looking at the way everyone else is eating it, eventually it's going to all come together. And that, that, that is what happened with the salmon salad and with everything else in my house. I will, that's the happy ending. So that's my advice. <laughs> that is a happy ending. That's brilliant. I'm definitely going to try this. Is there anything else you want to say about family or Thanksgiving or just anything you want to express? Oh, you know what? I'll tell you one other thing. Okay. This is like another thing that I feel was crucial to the success of uh, creating good eaters was a strategy called, I don't know yet, which is what you say to a kid when they ask you what's for dinner. And it's something that's not on their radar. Um, because I found that when you said, Oh, we're, I'm making butternut squash soup. It's delicious. It has butternut squash in it and we can put all kinds of fun things in it. You know, it's like the kids don't hear the fun things. They just hear something is foreign and, they don't want it. And so it gives them all this time to kind of mount a campaign against the butternut squash soup. So I find, you know, you just put it off as long as you can. Like, I don't know yet. I'm going to just throw a couple of vegetables together. I don't, I'm, I'm looking in the fridge for some ideas. Like even as you're stirring the soup, you just don't fess up to anything. And I find that that gets them to, they're, that way they're sitting down at the table in the right state of mind. They're not already resenting the fact that they're not eating what they want for dinner, which I think is was for me kind of a game changer oh that's really good and they're like smelling the good smells there's yeah they're hungry right so they're gonna eat what's on the table so yeah they're not already planning like oh, how can i ask for them for mom to like heat up something else for me or you know they're their game thank you to jenny for talking with me i can't wait to try the deconstructed dinner i also talked with her for my show the best advice show We'll include links to that episode and to her books in the show notes. Thank you, Zach. Uh, and thank you, Jenny. Now let's get into some recommendations before we get out of here. Amber, what are you recommending this week? So I am recommending these little sock shoes that have changed <laughs> the time that it takes for me to get out of the door with my child. Um, they're called Grooks. And they literally look like little, like little fake, um, little, little fake Balenciaga, you know, those Balenciaga, like sock shoes, sneakers, mm -hmm. they like yes. that, but like for babies. So it's like a sock basically. And it just slides on their little foot and it oh. stays on. Um, it's super easy. So there's no like tying, no buckles, no, like trying to shove a foot in and get them to bend their foot to get in there a certain way. It's just like a little sock you put on that has a sole on it. 
Um, it's great. They come in all different colors. They have cute little sayings on them. Like his say self-care. What? Cute. Um, and they're great. They look super fashionable. He looks fly. I love them. <laughs> so <laughs> oh these go, gosh. do these go over socks or these are socks and shoes combined? Well, in the summer, there are socks and shoes combined. Now that it's like colder, I put on socks and them. And like, it's okay. great because they just, they're stretchy. So you can put like a thick sock on under it, put the little sock shoe over it. He still has a sole. He can run around. They're soft soled. So they're good for, you know, developing learning feats and they stay on, which is great. Nice. Yeah. I wish they had they them really for cute. eight and a half mm-hmm. year olds. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they had them for 37 year olds. Well, they do. They're called Balenciagas. <laughs> So. Right, right, right. Oh, I don't know what that well, is. A little more expensive than fifteen dollar baby shoes. But. Googling, googling. Yep. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> I can't pull those off. No. But you can pull them on. Seven hundred eighty-seven dollars. All right, Zach. What are you recommending for us? Shopping with your child at your neighborhood or local independent bookstore for holiday gifts this season. Yeah. I just went Hanukkah shopping with my four-year-old and um it's so i mean it's a perfect day and like the light was streaming into the store just so but it's so fun just to let her go and like think about what her cousins might like um and to let her wander around in the store and let me have some time just to look at look at new books and like i try not to do it as much anymore but like just buying gifts that aren't meaningful like i feel bad for spending the money and then i feel bad for like getting something dumb but it's like i never feel bad for for supporting my local bookstore like even if my nephew doesn't read the book that i got him um like i still had this experience i still got to support my bookstore and um books are just the the best gift to me so Go to it. Amazon is easier, but your local bookstore is so much more fun. It's so true. Shout out to local bookstores. They're always. Shout out to source booksellers in Detroit. Shop small. No, that's really great. Yeah, that's really great. And you, you talk about the impact that you have. Um, you got time with your daughter and you got to like support a small business, which is great. Yeah. So great. Very nice. What do you recommend, Jamila? Okay, so I am recommending taking a playtime break okay so my child is out of school this week uh in california for thanksgiving we get the entire week off um just like for christmas we get three weeks off so um i have found myself back in the good old days of zoom school except for there is no zoom school there's just me trying to work work on the biggest story of my career and um you know, also being mommy daycare. And so something that I did differently uh, yesterday that I intend to do today, um, typically when I'm working from home with Naima, you know, I'm meeting her needs, right? So I'm like, I'm cooking, I'm, you know, helping with whatever little thing needs my attention. I'm sitting by her for stretches of time. So though I might be on the laptop, we are together and we're connected, but like, you know, I might even stop and talk to her for a while, but what I don't usually do is interrupt my day with play. 
And like yesterday we played, I stopped working for a bit, you know, like I wrapped up early to ensure that we had time before she went to her dance class to play. And it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and we're like playing beauty salon. And I felt crazy, you know, like I'm peeking over at emails. I'm like, I got shit to Mm -hmm. do and people need me. And I'm like, but my kid needs me and she's here, you know, and like. I'm just going to be present and just for this extra, you know, for this hour, we're going to play. So I'm recommending if you found yourself or as you find yourself um, trying to figure out what to do on these days where the kids are off from school in the coming weeks that you stop and play if you can. Amen. Yes. I also highly recommend this. And even what I have found too, when I just stop and play, even if I'm tired, like it mm-hmm. gives me like it energizes me. Yes. It doesn't make me more tired. Like, yeah, like it's I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But like the stopping and playing really does like sitting and just being present with them. Um, for any like any amount of time that you have, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, it's so nice and it's it's fulfilling. It really is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's not yeah. draining. It doesn't drain. Yeah. And it means so much to them because they see you making a choice and they see you choosing them. You know, because yeah. like it's, I'm constantly trying to convince my daughter that like when I work in her presence, like whether it's a day where it's like, hey, you're out of school, but I'm not off. Like I'm not choosing work over you. I have to work. This is a thing that must happen. But like when I'm putting down work to play, like you see that I'm making an active choice that like, no, I decided that, you know, having this time with you mattered more. So love it yeah man um so that's it for recommendations and that's it for our show before we get out of here please subscribe to mom and dad are fighting if you haven't already and if you have a question email it to us at mom and dad at slate.com or post it to the slate facebook group excuse me the slate facebook parenting group just search for slate parenting on facebook also if you're thankful for us please consider signing up for Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. It's only a dollar for the first month and members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast. And they get free and total access to Slate's website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus. Again, that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus. Thanks. Mom or Dad are Fighting was produced this week by Kevin Bendis with production assistance by Rosemary Belson and Elizabeth Newcamp. For Zach Rosen and Amber Smith, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.